Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, thanks for making this podcast your choice for this week. I know you get a lot of choices, folks. There's a lot of choices out there, but you keep this little podcast going. If you're here for Kim Coates, I appreciate you. If you like the podcast, subscribe, watch on YouTube. Where could where the, what are the handles for the Twitter and the Instagram? Right? Uh, the at inside of you pod on Twitter, at inside of you podcast on Instagram and Facebook. That's right. So join join us, and if you want to join uh, Patreon, become a patron and uh, support the podcast in more ways than one. It really helps. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, happy to be here, Ryan. Uh, it's been a crazy couple of weeks dealing with a lot of anxiety here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get it under control. Some days are better than others, and uh, just uh, trying to work it out, trying to exercise every day, trying to get my life in order here. And remember to breathe. Apparently, that's a huge thing. <sighs> I think we forget to breathe, don't we? Set a timer on your phone and that says breathe. Yeah, everybody, just re- <laughs> reminder to breathe. Make sure you breathe. Uh, and uh, if you're dealing with anxiety and all that stuff, you know, talk to someone. Talk to someone. Uh, better help. <laughs> or uh, you know anyone else you think I you know that's uh, they're they're, they're a uh, sponsor sure. and they're great sure. and you use them a lot of friends use them it's better help. Um, hey, I just want to shout out to the Animal Rescue Mission, my good friend Shira, who uh, has created this Animal Rescue Mission. The Animal Rescue Mission rescues, rehabs, finds forever homes for abused and neglected animals. Go to the Animal Rescue Mission dot org, Animal Rescue Mission dot org, and press donate. You can donate. There also, if you want to donate, you can foodonfoot.org. The homeless situation is awful. Um, they could use your help. Uh, the Ronald McDonald House, Los Angeles, can use your help in echoesofhope.org for foster youth and uh, helping them out. So that's always amazing. Uh, you can also go to the uh, Inside of You online store if you want to get any merch. There's always great merch, the Smallville scripts to be signed. I have the Lexmas script. You know that I autograph, and that's a big seller. I've got these zip ups, these inside of you zip ups. I've got inside of you glasses and mugs and tumblers and uh, Lex Luthor pictures and lunch boxes. Lots of great stuff. So go to the inside of you online store and uh, the new band Sunspin. My well, not new band. It's my second album with Sunspin. The new album's coming out. So be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, Sunspin Band and uh, Sunspin.com if you want any cool merch. Um, you could also book a show with us. You could book a Zoom with us. There's a lot. Uh, that's about it, really. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week. And uh, we'll be giving shout-outs to all the top-tier patrons at the end of the podcast. That's uh, always uh, a favorite of mine to do. Kim Coates. I knew him on Smallville. We worked together. I had a blast. I love this guy. I've known him for a long time. Sons of Anarchy. Uh, the list goes on. He's done tons of movies. He's got a movie coming out. We'll talk about everything. And uh, he doesn't do many podcasts. Um, and I think he did he call me babe a lot or no, Michael. He said Michael a lot. He calls me Michael a lot. <laughs> Michael, let me tell you, Michael. And uh, I love him. He's a, he's a treat. He's a joy to have on the podcast. I'm lucky to have him. And uh, let's get inside of Kim Coates. It's my point of view. 
listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Coatsy! Michael! You look great! So do you with all that hair, oh all my that God. sexiness thrown around. Look at you. You're the one with the mane. Look at you. You got all this good hair at your age. You're, I mean, how the hell do you do it? I'm 117, Michael. I don't I don't know how I fucking did it. I took I took some of your your pills back in the day when I met you on <laughs> Superman. You were all bald and beautiful and young and funny as fuck. Oh my God. Like, That's how we met. We met on Smallville. You were Agent Carter on folks. <laughs> He wasn't just on Sons of Anarchy and Bad Blood and the new movie Neon Lights, but he's done tons of movies. But he was on Smallville. Come on, Michael. How? When was that, bro? Do you have it in your 2007? 2007, just before Sons of Anarchy. I was I was up in Vancouver, and they offered me I don't know I think two or three shows or something like that, and almost all my shit was with you. I mean, it was. It was so fun. We did. We had a lot of fun. I remember you just being so like I wanted to know you. I wanted to be your friend. I liked you. I was just like this guy's great. He was just great to be. He had such a great energy about you. And what do you remember, by the way? What do you remember about Smallville? I remember you had a sore back. I remember <laughs> you were you were, yeah. you were fighting through some pain. I remember you were the funniest guy on set by a fucking million yards. They had big sets there. I loved Vancouver. Um, I don't remember much about the guy I played. <laughs> I know I had short hair and I think I was clean shaven. You but were. I think so. Yeah. I think so. And I, I knew this. I knew that you were on a a huge hit. Like, Michael, you learned the thing we all need to learn about television before I did. I mean, I was I was that movie guy. Always. Movie, yeah. movie, movie. I would do an arc on shows like yours, a CSI Miami, things like that. But I never wanted to be a regular in a TV show. I just thought, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm I'm just going to keep doing my movies and be broke sometimes. And then why was that? Was- why was it? Did you have what was it about TV? I don't know. I I don't know. I just remember in those. I'm older than you, so I started before you, and I remember in those late '80s, early '90s. I went from. Stratford playing, you know, I was the youngest Macbeth ever. John Neville directed me. I was yeah, John Neville. Yeah, I was 28. And then New York, you know, these New York agents saw all my work and they said, you got to come to New York. I was just a Canadian kid, obviously. Still am, proud. Right. I'm American now too, proud, but right. <laughs> somewhat. But I'm, but, I'm, but I'm pretty proud of being Canadian. And so I went to New York and it was all theater. And I did Broadway. I was Stanley Kowalski on Broadway for five months. Streetcar. On the square. That's, that's and then the Hollywood, Hollywood discovered me. So, Michael, I, I was just a movie guy because that's what you were supposed to do. And then television, I think, uh, I'd like to ask you in your opinion, but for me, when, you know, Gal Daffini did The Sopranos and that sort of mid-90s cable TV, it just started to explode for me. Yeah, it became like shooting little movies every week. Yeah. But it's got, now I've, you know, I sound like I'm a 90 year old guy, but don't you think that it's gotten a little out of hand? There's so many streaming platforms. There's so many shows. Do you like this? Michael, I, Michael, I'm, I'm doing this for you because you're a star, because you're my buddy, because <laughs> your podcast is exploding, because it's a great thing for me to do. And I get to see you. Selfishly, I get to see you. I don't watch anything, Rosenbaum. Nothing? I don't, 
I don't watch anything. I swear to God, I'm 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 a fucking zipperhead. I I I I'm so busy. I'm working all the time. I'm flying here and there. Me and my wife Diana, we're still together, which is a goddamn thirty-eight miracle. years with your yeah. wife. Come on, Michael. What the hell? I mean, how? Right, I'm gonna, I want to get into that because I don't know how the longevity. I mean, thirty-eight years, nobody survives in Hollywood, and you guys have survived oh. it. Yeah, we have. But I you mean, don't. Yeah. But you don't watch Breaking Bad. You never saw Game of Thrones. No. You, did you? Did, all right. Do you watch yourself? Sometimes. What What do you love about yourself? What shows you go? Hey, I was pretty good at that. I like. No, that. I, I, I say that all the time. But no, no, <laughs> no, 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 Michael. I mean, did you know that Theo Rossi and I had are doing a podcast called Reaper Reviews? Did you know? No. That? Yeah. So, Got Theo, folks, pay attention. No, no. At the begin at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, 2020, when the whole world stopped, right. I didn't know what the hell was going on. At least for me, and I'm sure for you and for everybody, I came running up to Canada to my. I've got a few spots here and there and everywhere, and I just hung out. Theo Rossi calls me in like April, May of 2020, when there's nothing going on, and he goes, "We should do <clears throat> a Reaper review and review Sons of Anarchy every single show." And I went, no, what are you, what are you nuts? There was 92 shows, 70. I'm not going to do, well, we've done it. We're actually on the last show, which we'll record next week of two and a half years of talking once a week. The, the fans have gone nuts for it. Bazooka brains, bananas off the rails. So I'm doing that once a week. And Michael, you know how hard these podcasts, how hard you work, how hard we work. I'm not complaining, but I had to watch Every single show of Sons, which I hadn't done when we did it. How many? I'd only seen I'd only seen maybe a third of them. Right. Maybe 40 of the 92. So when you start reviewing, you got to look at it and take notes. And then, you know, we still sound like idiots. We, we don't know what we're talking about, Theo and I. But we've got a gazillion viewers now, and it's, it's just been exploding. And just in time for me to say goodbye next week. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you say that because Tom and I, who was Clark Kent on Smallville, yeah. we started a rewatch podcast uh two weeks ago and so we watch every episode over like you guys have been doing and then we critique it and kind of go and it's it's crazy to watch yourself so many years ago and oh, critique it and critique the show and have guests come on and talk about their yeah, time man. yeah do you guys do that too you have guests on we, we we do now you did a lot more than us you were in the hundreds, right? We you? did. Uh, I left after season seven. I did 165. And then Tom did more. I think he ended up doing 220 or something episodes. So I, I, if we make it through that show, through the entire run, I have to watch three seasons that I wasn't in. And no, no, that's going to be fucking tough. No, that's going to be really, really hard. I think you just make Tommy look at those by himself. and You just be there for comic relief. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What do you appreciate the watching now? Watching all these episodes back, what's one thing that you've learned? I I now get it. I I get what a big hit it was. I mean, I I didn't really understand the whole like before Sons Michael. I was oh you're you're the guy from Black Hawk Down. Oh you're that guy from Open Range. Oh you're the guy on Goon. The last Boy Scout. And yeah. The last Boy Scout. You're that guy. But then you do a show like Sons for me. And the, the level of what a hit that thing was and what a crazy show it was, I became Kim Coates. So I, I think after watching the shows now that Theo and I have done, I now understand the incredible fandom 
that we, and you know, I don't know if you know this, Michael, but Sons is one of the only shows ever that our, our, our ratings never went down. They, they only went up like up and up. They never plateaued. They never, they just went up from season one to two, all the way. So FX is the biggest hit they've, they've ever had by a gazillion dollars. So pretty proud of all that. Smallville definitely had its highs and lows. I think there were some lows at times, and then the one season got better, then this season was worse. But you're saying, I mean, we did a lot more episodes, but still, at the same time, you did 92 episodes, and the trajectory of success just went up. People when you were ca- doing Smallville, remind me, was it every week? You weren't binging yet right back then, right? It was once a week? People it was once it. a week. There was no binging. You had to wait. Yeah. So I think that's part of Sun's success in a way. We only did 13 every season. And when it opened in September, it was always that, you know, early September, uh, 10 o'clock, Tuesday night. It just, you know, for the next 13 weeks, if you were a Suns fan, you never missed a Tuesday night. And then you had to wait seven or eight months before the next season. So it was just talk, talk, chatter, chatter. So I think that's one of the reasons why our show just continued to climb and build because, you know. Was it was it exhausting? Did were you did you work every day? Were you constantly like, oh my god, I'm exhausted? Like you know, like what were your days like? Hey, you know, Michael, you, you I'm sure you're the same. I I I'm I'm allowed to complain because I'm old now, but I never I never took for granted how how much we worked, or I never complained. Yeah, it was some really tough days. We we you know we're all in leather and riding those bikes and those Harleys and. We shot in like July, August, September, which you know in LA is really, really hot. And we we called it we called it doing the timber, at least once or twice a week. We go timber, man down. One of the crew would just fucking pass right out. Gatorade infusion of Gatorade because <laughs> it was so freaking hot. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside.
Inside of you is brought to you by Shopify. You know I use Shopify. You guys go on the, you know, inside of you online store and you see how easy it is to navigate for you. It's so amazing. Shopify, I can't think of anyone else that would do this uh, the right way like Shopify does. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. It's so easy to navigate. And when you want to add discounts, like for instance, I just had a discount where I put uh, Michael 15, and that was my discount code. How much of a percent? 15% off the total order. Easy. Adding products. It's so easy. You put a picture. You just upload a picture. You put a description. It, it, it does everything for you. And the analytics are so easy to use. Uh, this is the most selling product. Oh, I should get more of those. This is the least selling product. This is how much I made for this month compared to last year or last month. It's so easy to navigate. I feel like a pro and Shopify has really helped me do that. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash inside, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash inside now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash inside. Inside of you is brought to you by Factor. I love Factor Meals, Ryan. Do you know this? Yes. Why do you know this? Because I've seen them in your fridge and you've offered me some. And you've had them. And I've had them. And you love them. I do. Because I asked you every time. Mm -hmm. um, look, I spent an enormous amount of money using delivery services for food or going grocery shopping and never eating the food that I buy or too many leftovers. And it's just, I waste so much money. And, you know, Factor Meals has really changed my life in a lot of ways because they have so many different meals, like 35 different meals, more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. And it takes just two minutes. So it doesn't matter how busy you are. It's two minutes to cook this stuff. You always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. And that's what Factor does. Um, I, I, I just can't get over all the things they have, like filet mignon, shrimp, blackened salmon, um, their breakfast items, everything, dessert. It's it's perfect for my lifestyle and i think it's perfect for a lot of lifestyles um yeah you can crush your wellness goals this may with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust keep kitchen time to a minimum factor meals are ready in two minutes no shopping prepping cooking or cleaning up enjoy effortless support for your lifestyle choose from six menu preferences to help you manage calories maximize protein intake avoid meat or simply eat well balanced Warm, sunnier days are calling, Michael. Well, yes, they are. Fuel up for them with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. It's pretty incredible. 
Head to factormeals.com slash inside50 and use code inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code inside50 at factormeals.com slash inside50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Factor Meals. You were in leather and you were riding motors. Did you have to learn to ride a motorcycle for Sons of Anarchy or did you already know how to do it? No, there was only three of us who could ride. Mark Boone Jr., uh, David Labrava, and myself of the Leeds knew how to ride. Some of them lied and said they did. And then they fell a few times and realized, well, you're a liar. So they all had to go to bike school. <laughs> um, everybody. And I would say by the end of the seven seasons, Charlie Hunnam, probably became the best rider because he was never off his bike. He rode to work every day. We all did, but he really did. And uh, yeah, no, he became a really good rider. So yeah, no, I, I knew how to ride. And I, I was called safety first, Michael, because I would stop so many shots. I go, cut, cut, Flanagan. Why are you rubbing your fucking feet on the ground? Because my boots are slippery. Well, you do that later. Wait, DL, why are you zipping out of the, out of the line? You got to stay cut, cut. So they were really pissed off at me. But at the end, I got a little trophy from everybody calling safety first, probably saved a lot of lives. Because when you're on a Harley, there's no fucking around, as you know. It's, it's the real deal. Were there some big accidents on set? We had three. Yeah, we had three. We got lucky. Ronnie Perlman went down hard. You know Ron? I know him from conventions. Yeah, he he he's the best. He's really cranky, but I love him. He's so smart. Was he cranky on set? Uh sure. I mean, <laughs> the the first he few looks years, like he'd no, be cranky, right? But the last couple, you know, when you know you're gonna die, or you don't like the writing, or yeah, he became cranky. But I think we all had a bit of crank in us. Yeah. But but yeah, no, he went down hard and, and I was right beside him and I got off my bike like a horse. I just got off so fast, told him not to move, not to move, lay there, lay there. The ambulance came and he, he turned out to be all right. A lot of lesions and, and scrapes. And then Mark Boone Jr., Booney, we could have lost him. We were doing a scene. We were chasing the Russians. Of course we were chasing the Russians. Why wouldn't you be? You know, who wouldn't be? And so we're chasing the Russians and he had this old late 90s Harley with these ape hangers, really tall. It was really hard to negotiate and navigate. It was a tough bike to ride, and he's a great rider. And we went around a corner, too many rocks, and he slid, and he slid hard, and he missed a big, big boulder, and uh, he was out for a couple of days. And then Tommy, yeah, I could go on, but we we were all right. No one got seriously hurt. We were very lucky. Right. Take me back how it all started, because, I mean, were you since you were a kid growing up in Canada, did you want to be an actor? Is it something you always, what were you, what were your parents doing? What did they think about? How, how did it start? How, were you popular in high school? Sure. You were? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Sure. I was always a bit of a, a bit of a leader. I think I was, you know, the captain of the hockey team. I, wow. I was the captain of football team in high school. I was the best player in the worst team in Saskatoon's history. We, we only had 540 kids at our school and, we had grade nines all the way to grade 12 in the senior team. We just got killed on the football field, but I took a lot of, took a lot of hits and I gave a lot of hits, but look, I, I'd never seen a play in my life, Michael. I was a, a pretty good little redneck kid for sure. Sports, sports, sports did all right at school, did okay. And then 
uh, when I graduated high school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be a history teacher. I was going to go to, you know, education, University of Saskatchewan. So I took a drama class for fun as an elective. I said, I'll pass that class for sure. How old were be you? A lot of girl. Huh? How old were you? 19. 19. 19. And then I want to hear your story, but I'll get, I'll get this over with. No, so I want to hear it, please. This I go, I go to school and, uh, you know, I take this drama class cause well, I'll pass it and there'll be lots of girls. And, and then it hit me, man. I don't know what, what the hell happened, but I'm, I'm reading Ian Esco and Tennessee Williams and Shakespeare. I didn't even know what a soliloquy was. <laughs> and before you fucking knew it, I had done 25 plays over four years I switched my major from history to drama in year three, got my four-year degree. We were doing summer stock every year. I made no money. Zip. All my buddies were getting me through school. I get them through everything now. They don't. They haven't paid for anything for 20 years. But, <laughs> but back in the day, man, in those early 80s, when Coatsy was going to university, <laughs> I knew I needed to be a professional actor, and that's how it all started. I moved to Toronto, and the rest is history. What were your parents thinking when you told them you wanted to do this? Mom and Dad, Joyce and Fred, great question. Dad. Fred and who? Joyce? Fred Fred, Fred and Joyce, yeah. Fred, Frederick and Joyce, yeah. Mom's still alive. Oh, good. Uh, she's 92. Wow. Uh, Pop passed before son started, so we didn't get to see any of that stuff, but he knew all my work. He's pretty proud of me. Um, good guy. You would have loved my dad. You'd love my mom. Good people. No, listen, we came from a really small house in Saskatoon. Uh, my two little brothers and me, they were a year and 10 months younger than me. They're twins, Dale and Dean. Of course they're Dale and Dean. And, you know, we were just playing hockey and sports and, and living the life in Saskatoon. And, you know, people go, how'd you survive the winters? And I go, well, you either live or you die when it's minus 40, you either dress for it and live. Or don't dress for it and get frostbite and lose your fingers. I mean, it's pretty wow, easy. Wow, it was that cold there, huh? Well, up in Canada. I, I mean, just, where were you yeah. born, Michael? I was born in New York, but I grew up in Indiana, small town in Indiana from the time I was eight on. All right. Well, you didn't get the coldness that we did. But we got, got cold, snow. but it wasn't yeah. like that. It was The only other city I remember is Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Moose Jaw. Where the hell is Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan? Yeah, Moose Jaw is close to Saskatoon. Right. So... Did you have a background of theater? Yeah. Did you tell me? I, I well, I, I studied. I studied and, you know, I was a nervous wreck like I am now. And I was in high school and finally um, I was taking drama class and uh, I took it my freshman, sophomore, junior year just because it was an easy A and you just had to goof around. And the senior year, my teacher said, hey, you got you got to audition for a play if you're going to take advanced drama, which is the same as drama every year. And I go, oh, my God. And I auditioned for Grease. And I got the part as, hey, hey, this is the main brain, Vince Fontaine, spinning the stacks of wax here at the House of Wax, WAXX. Cruising time, 1026. Sharpshooters, pick hit of the week, a brand new one, shooting up the charts like a rocket by the Belle Dubray. And I just went on, and I was, oh, and I got it. And I remember, I, I told the story, I think the last, one of the last episodes, but I remember a popular kid came up to me, and I was not popular, shortest kid in my school, and said, hey, you're really funny last night. <laughs> and that changed everything. It just cha it showed me that, oh, not being me was the way to go be someone else, be an actor. And uh, and it just took off from college. I started doing tons of plays in college and sort of fell for it. It was the only thing I felt like I could do. 
and um, the camaraderie and being around people in the green room. And although, look, there's a lot of clicks, as we know, in the drama department. I mean, everybody's yeah. judging everybody. Everybody's talking shit about so-and-so. Why did he get the part? And he's like, you know. Um, but I stuck with it. And, you know, I went to New York afterwards, did off off Broadway. And, you know, the rest was history. I'm so happy. Yeah, I'm but, so you, happy. but you did a lot of stuff. You did like you got accolades, big accolades. Well, I, I don't know about I don't know about that, but I I certainly stumbled into some pretty pretty juicy plays and parts. I mean, I you know in the third year of university we went to Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Drama Festival and we won a Fringe first, which is a first place for a play called Creeps about cerebral palsy. David Freeman wrote it, a Canadian uh, writer back then, playwriter, and it was a huge, massive hit. So we came back from that and I knew, you know, this, that's it. I'm being a professional actor. And then when I went to Toronto, like I told you, we took a, took a while. I waited for a couple of years. You know, I waited. I was with a big agency and Gary Goddard, you know, that typical smoking cigarettes, eating way too many hamburgers in his office. Big guy, cigar smoking, just fucking, you know, he said, we're going to turn you into a movie star like now. And I went, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, I want more theater, more stage. And he went, no, no. I said, no, no. Uh, that's and, that, really? and I stuck to my gun, huh? I feel like all fucking stage actors say that same thing. Like, no, yeah, I just want to do theater until they're yeah, somehow no, forced and, to I, do it. But I, Michael, I, I didn't say I, I didn't want to do film. I said to him, I'm not ready yet. I, I need to be a better actor. And so we did, man. We I did 11 plays in Halifax. Wow. Um, I did Streetcar for the first time. That's why when when I anyway, it's a long. But then Stratford. Two years at Stratford, then New York discovers me, and I'm on Broadway, and I'm doing Dracula in Atlanta. I mean, my God, Rosenbaum, I think I got between <laughs> five and ten phone numbers a night from women. What? From playing, from playing Dracula at the Alliance Theater. 1,300 seats. No. And my powers of Nostra are black. My bones of blood. And I would take Wilhelmina and I would pull her right up to me and I would crawl on her like a goddamn lizard and <laughs> there was blood everywhere and I'm sucking on her and I we were right in the front of the stage, her heads off. No, people were screaming. Women were losing their shit. Um, I had my own coffin. I insisted on, you know, making sure that we rehearsed at nighttime. I would go to strip club after strip club to get the, get the whole thing. Like, it's just about the blood. It's not about the body. It's about the blood in my head doing my little method bullshit so yeah i had long fingernails long black hair it was a, it was a hit how so, old were you uh that was like 1988 so i was 30 and you were already married at this point oh yeah where right. did you meet your wife uh met her in, in college in university she was 18 i was 19 she's obviously way smarter than i could ever pretend to want to be um, not that she's with me, but just she can see right through me and see right through. So she's let me, Michael, do my thing. Like I give Diana all the credit in the world for raising my two beautiful daughters and giving me the freedom to be Kim Coates. She's not jealous. She's not worried. She, you know, we fight once in a while. Obviously, it's a roller coaster. How how can how can it not be? You know, we dated for seven years before we got married. So I've been with her forever, but. The separation has kept us wanting to come back to each other. You know, when I go away from movies, or yeah. Black Hawk Down was five months in Morocco, and I didn't come home once, you know, so. Did you talk to her every night, or did you talk to her here and no. there? She, she doesn't need that. 
She knows no. you're doing your thing and let you do yeah. your thing. Do you think that's what's kept you together is that she yeah. just appreciates you, you appreciate her, and you let you, no, each other no do question. your shit? And I and I, I look up to people who are who are you know with another actor or another artist. It's tough to do. Diane is a former teacher. You know, she 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 could stop teaching because she wanted to once we had kids. And if we were lucky enough to make enough money, that's what she wanted to do: is be a homemaker. And she did it so well, and she helped the kids with schooling and. What was the first movie role that you took? Uh, wow. The first one I took was with Nick Cage. What? First time you do a movie, it's with Nick Cage? Yeah, I had, I had no lines, though. It was like I was at Stratford. It was a two-day part. I got paid $600 a day. It's the most money I ever made in my life. Um, it was called Blue Boy. It was about this rower, this oar rower from Canada in the early 1900s, famous book. So, and so Nick played that guy. And I remember talking to him a little bit. And at lunch, Nick had this salad that was as tall as you, Michael. It was on his plate and it was just a salad. And he had steamed chicken on the side and he was all cut, 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 cut. And I started to really learn about the, the incredible stamina and willpower it takes to be a movie star if you want to be in shape. You can't you can't fart around. The camera sees everything, right? You know that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had no lines. I had, I had six lines. They were all cut. I was on a little wagon, watching them race, making bets, being a big better. That was my first movie. No one no one saw it. No one cared about it. But was that after that you had that itch? You just kind of felt like I like this. I like being on set. I like I want to be a movie star. I I I had this feeling of, um, it's different. It's different than stage. It's you, you got to do it again and again and continuity. You know, I was drinking and they said, you got to drink at the same line, like shit that I never thought hitting your mark, you know, with the camera and back then that was 35 millimeter, you know, those were, those were today. We got all these red cameras, all these, we're all on tape and it looks amazing, but you can just burn that. Expensive, right? Very expensive in the olden days. Inside of You is brought to you by Rocket Money. I love Rocket Money. You know why? Because everyone should have Rocket Money because it just helps you save money. How many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money? It's just throwing away money, Ryan. I, I found one. You And you did it. You told I me. I got found, Rocket Money. <laughs> I, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God. It was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com inside. That's rocketmoney.com inside. Rocketmoney.com inside. Inside of You is brought to you by Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster growing hair with less shedding. And look, hair thinning impacts a lot of us, myself included. In fact, over half of us will experience hair thinning at some point in our lives. It's not only common, it's normal. Join over 1 million people who are doing something about it with Nutrafol. Nutrafol helps support hair growth from within by targeting possible key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and even metabolism. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Has menopause impacted your hormones and your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many possible root causes at play, and Nutrafol helps address them through a multi-targeted whole body approach. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical studies, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In Nutrafol's own clinical study, 72% of men saw more scalp coverage after taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplement for six months, and 86% of women saw improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplements for six months. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific possible root causes. With Nutrafol, getting help building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. You could see results in three to six months. Take the first step to help you see visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter promo code INSIDE. Find out why 4,500 professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L, Dot com promo code inside that's nutrafol.com promo code inside inside of you is brought to you by patreon yes the inside of you patreon we're supporting this we're doing a little ad for it just thanking everybody for supporting the podcast and if you want to support it a little bit more you can just go to patreon.com slash inside of you 
and become a patron. I'll message you back after you join. Might take me a few days, but I'll message you back. There's different tiers. Some people get boxes of merch from me every couple of months. Uh, sometimes there's Zooms, there's YouTube Lives with me where you ask me questions. There's bonus stuff, there's content. There's You could have your name shouted out at the end of every podcast. There's so much, and most importantly, it really helps the podcast. So just go to patreon.com slash inside of you and become a patron today. When was your first movie? Um, I think it was, I did this little independent movie that was just terrible. I don't even need to talk about it. Just, it looks so bad that the DP must have been on crack shooting it, but it was with a lot of really good actors. It was, it wasn't a terrible movie. It was just like, man to Pete, Dan Futterman. Uh, wow. uh, it was just, it was just, it was a little movie, Jennifer Garner and wow. it just, but it looked like shit. Why? I mean, I, 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 all I remember about this movie was, God, why does it look so terrible? Uh, and then the first real movie was uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Clint Eastwood directed me, and it brought me out to California. And What uh, year was that, please? That was like 97. And uh, I remember I auditioned for that, and uh, I didn't even know what I was auditioning for. I just put on an accent, the Southern draw, and... Uh, I, I went back. My agent goes, "Hey, you got a, a callback for Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil." I go, "Mid in the Garden of what? What?" <laughs> and they go, "Yeah." Um, and I went in there, and the casting director said, "Hey, Clint would like to see just a little more subtle." And I go, "Whoa, wait, wait hang on a second. Clint Eastwood's watching this." He's like, on, "Yeah, he cast from on. tape." And I go, like, "Oh on. my god!" And the next thing you know, I was flying to Savannah, Georgia. And you fucking got the part. I got the part. I remember I went, the, the producer picked me up from the airport, took me to set, and introduced me to Clinton. Goes, just he he knew me, just walked, goes, Michael, I just want to say if you do what you did in the audition, I'll be very happy. <laughs> and I shit my pants right there. And it was just like, oh my God, I'm working with Clint Eastwood. Oh, come on. It was and the best feeling ever. Is it true about him that he doesn't do a lot of takes? Is that true? Dude, he goes, I remember I had this. I remember him just going, he'll just come up to you and go, I'll acknowledge the jury on this one. I go, okay. He goes, well, how do you feel? I go, I felt pretty good. How do you feel, Clint? He goes, I felt great. You want another? Are we good? And I'm like, well, I mean, I mean, that was the sort of attitude. And when he said, he didn't say action. He would look at his uh, Jack Green, as DP and goes, he'd look at me and go, Michael. And I go, thumbs up and then he look at me he'd make that rolling thing with his finger like jack and oh, they would and on. everything would start moving and they oh, would go on. one or two takes I, I and i saw him i told this story i saw him get a little annoyed with kevin spacey one time i saw him get like you know everybody's annoyed with him anyway, <laughs> well so, at okay. the time kevin's like yeah look i don't know if i should be coming in through this door or this should i acknowledge it i don't know god damn it do whatever you want <laughs> Just for a second, he just lost his cool. I don't know what the hell ever you want to do, God. I mean, oh, just like, oh my God, it was just, it was price. Have you ever been starstruck on a set where you're like, yeah, when? Yeah, I'm gonna tell you. First of all, that's fucking brilliant. I can listen to you doing clean all day long, you fucker. <laughs> um, I gotta be, I gotta be honest. I mean, my my boy Bruce Willis, he's going through a lot of yeah. different times right now, and I feel for him and big hugs to him and his family, and I miss him. I I really do. Anyway, but back in the day when Bruce was, and he still is, he's a fucking massive movie star. Yeah. And Bruce, my first Hollywood movie was The Last Boy Scout. So, you know, like, you talk about auditioning, right? So I'm 
I'm, you know, I just finished Broadway Streetcar and things are taken off and all these casting people, Marion Doherty, the late Marion Doherty. She said, you're going to be a fucking star kid. And here we go. And she got me this audition for the last Boy Scout. It was like three scenes. And I remember going on tape for her in New York. And that's back in the day. This is early 90s, 91, maybe. And they flew you out. They flew you out for an audition. They put you up. Yep. So I, I had a real audition with Tony Scott, the late, great Tony Scott. Oh, Jesus. genius. He's gone now, too. And Phil Silver. And we're sitting in this room, a really small fucking room. And I'm doing this audition. And I walk out of the room. And the casting chick comes out. It wasn't Marion. It was the L.A. equivalent. Marion stayed in New York. And she said, hang on, hang on. And so I'm in the hallway and Tony comes busting and goes, yeah, yeah, you got it. We got it. And I went, I got it? And I said, you're offering me a fucking chat? And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See you in a couple of weeks. So I go back, got the part. Now you got to hear this. So true story. I, uh, I go to set and it's back in L.A. And I don't know if you remember the last Boy Scout, but it was a football fight. Dude, I loved it. I remember you just yeah. stole the shit out of that one scene, too. Yeah. 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 So we did that scene later. My first scene was at a, we're getting a newspaper and Damon Wayans comes to get a newspaper and me and my two thugs, we walk up and I say someone, he doesn't look too tough to me. He doesn't look too tough. So the scene was, I end up punching him right in the face. Right. And so I get to set and I'm in my wardrobe and my shoes that they've given me are super slippery. Like they're fucking slippery as shit. And, I, oh, and no. I'm sliding all over and I, I was a little, and I'm in a little honey wagon. I don't even have my own bathroom. I'm like completely green, right? I got nothing. So, but I've got this big movie. So I go, can we, and they go, no, no, just get some Coca-Cola. Pour some Coke on the bottom. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I go, oh, okay. So I get to set. I meet the stunt guy. We go over the punch. It's going well. It's time for the punch. And the punch goes pretty good. And Tony comes up. Everyone's there. Willis isn't there yet. I haven't met him yet, but everyone's there. And Tony comes up and goes, okay, right, mate, we got that, we got that, we got that. Now, now there's one more, one more, we fucking go, just go for it. We got it, it's all done, we got it, but go, just go. I go, all right. So we do one more, action. He comes up, we do the thing, and I punch them right in the face. My back foot slipped, Michael, and my, my fist went farther than, than it should have, and it hit him right, right underneath the glasses. He had sunglasses on. The glasses come off his face. He's holding his face. I'm like so shocked at what I had done. The stunt guy comes up and goes, wasn't your fucking fault, man. I saw your foot slip. It's your fucking shoe's fault. Wasn't your fault. Wasn't your... I'm just going, I'm so sorry. Silver comes running up. Tony comes running up. And Damon Wayans gets up off the ground and goes, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm all right. Let's go. Let's do it again. I'm all, I'm all right. Tony goes, no, we got that. We're moving on. I thought I was going to get fired on my very first day of my first big LA You punched work. Damon Wayans in the face. Yeah. On your yeah, first I mean, I day of work alone. on a huge blockbuster movie. Yeah. And then the Bruce Willis story on that. Let me tell you that. that this is cool. Oh, my so you're asking God. Me about being, you're asking me about being starstruck. So here we are. It's my big scene. It's the big scene of the movie, really. I mean, it turned out to be everyone remembers this scene. And I'm in this pool inside. And as you know, Michael, this happens to you because you're such a fucking movie star. <laughs> no one, you always come last to set. I know you. Like, yeah, the star comes last. Everyone's got to be there. No, They're ready. Come and then, on. So here I am. And there he is. 
His name's Bruce Willis. Had met him. He comes walking up. He's got a T-shirt on. He just comes fucking walking up. He's got a couple people. I'll never forget it. Tony comes over. They start talking. And then they start coming into my area where I'm going to be, you know, it's because really my scene. And there's another actor playing the piano, really great comedic actor. I can't remember his name right now. Anyway, he comes up to me. He doesn't look at me really. And Tony goes, hey, Bruce, this is Ken. He goes, hey. That's all I said was, hey. I go, hey, Bruce, really nice to meet you. Okay, so let's do the scene. So we're doing the scene. We're just fucking doing the scene. And Willis isn't telling me anything. I'm not, I'm just doing my thing. My God, I've auditioned for this part like you did with Clint. I, I, and I'm ad-libbing a little bit. I'm having a cigarette and punch him and all that. And then it comes time for him to kill me. This took two days. And now we're into day two. And he's gonna break my nose and I'm gonna, I'm gonna die. And Willis goes, okay, so when I, and he never called me Kim or my name, just him, I was just him. So when I hit him, you know, when I punch him, he's gonna fall into the pool and that'll be that. And Michael, I went, I, I don't wanna fucking fall into the pool, take it in my head. I don't wanna, so I called Tony over. I said, Tony, nothing for nothing. I don't see it that way. He goes, what do you mean? I goes, I don't, I don't see me flying into the pool. He goes, well, how do you see it? I go, well, can we just do one? He goes, sure. So he goes, hey, Bruce, Bruce, we're going to do one for Kim. We're going to do one for Kim. He goes, sure. Oh, all right. All right. He fucking goes and he bra- and I fell right on my ass, Michael, like a 10 year old boy. And then I flopped back and the camera's still rolling. Willa showed me this later and everyone is laughing their fucking heads off. They're clapping. They're laughing. And Tony comes over and goes, I think we got it. I think we got it in one. Willis goes, that was pretty fucking good. And we did. We did a couple close-ups and shit, but no, that was it. One take, a couple cameras. I fell on my ass like a little boy, and then I flopped back. They couldn't believe that I could fall on my butt like that and stay straight like a tree. And then, <laughs> anyway, that was my Bruce Willis wow, story. Wow, so you impressed the- Bruce. I think so, because we've become buddies. We've done a couple since then, and I always like hanging with him. He loves my wife. I haven't seen him in 10 years probably, but he uh, he's a good guy. He's a really good guy, and, and he's battling something now that no one wants to go through. Wow. Did you ever meet someone that you were excited to meet or work with, and they just let you down? They weren't the guy that you thought they would be? You don't yeah. have to say their name, but have you ever been on set where it's like... Yeah, yeah, it got to the point where I won't say his name because I hear he's a really nice guy now, but back in the day, I was doing a movie with Carrie Ann Moss and I was the lead bad guy and she was with our our lead that I'm talking about. And there, he just was a real asshole. And he just really was being rude to everybody. And one day he cut down a crew member and I walked up to him and I whispered to him, I said, I'm going to fucking knock you out right now. I'm going to knock you out. I'm going to fucking hit you right in the face. If you don't clean up your act, you're just you're you're just so full of hubris and bullshit. These people love you. Why are you, why are you behaving like this? It's just inexcusable. And he looked at me and he walked away and he was better for the next next week and a half or what. I just said I'm gonna fucking punch you right in the face. I don't care if I go to jail. I'm gonna knock. You. Wow. I'm I'm gonna knock you out because I couldn't take it anymore. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, I'm far from perfect, you know, Mike. But I gotta tell you, the one thing that I learned from my dad is you stick up for people. That needs sticking up for you. Fucking stick you. You stick up against the bully because it shouldn't happen. There's way too much bullying going on in this planet right now. And yeah, wow. Only once though. I don't think I ever remember. How about you? 
Have you run into once or twice? Yeah, there's been you- a couple of bullies, um, bully directors, but not many. I think I think I probably had two or three in my life where I just said, "Hey, you know, I don't, I didn't snap at him, but I just said, "Hey, hold on a second, hang on, this is not how we do things here." No, it, good for you. It was just he was uh, making one of the actresses uncomfortable. Uh, the director, he was. Bar, all right, you're gonna be over here and you're gonna go okay and he grabs her arm goes and no 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 you're gonna go over here and i go whoa stop 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 and everybody looked at me i go what are, what are you doing he goes excuse you, me i go isn't this supposed to be like a teamwork here we're trying to figure it out you're just grabbing her arm and moving her here and you're not even asking us what we're doing you're just barking orders and acting like a macho guy over here oh, i love you and he goes oh so we have one of those guys on set i go yeah, we have one of those guys. And then he was cooler. He was way yeah. cooler. They need a calling out every once in a while. <laughs> and did. I just, he just, I could feel it myself getting uncomfortable. And I was like, I can't work like this. I can't be uncomfortable like this. I got to say something. Yeah, and uh, it's been, a, it was, a, it was uncomfortable, but I, I, I picture you like a, a good leader on set. You want everybody to have fun. You want everybody well, to, you know, thanks man. And I, I finally, you know, you know me, I'm like you, I'm a character actor. I, you get all the funny shit a lot. And I, I love comedy so much. And when people find out that I'm actually pretty funny once in a while, I oh get these my God. Off, which I, which I love, but I'm telling you after sons was over shortly thereafter, a couple years later, there was a, a series called bad blood. Yes. People love that, bad that I, blood. Yeah. It was a huge hit on Netflix and Rogers and, and city up in city TV up in Canada. And to be called in on that and to be number one on the call sheet, and they hire Anthony LaPaglia, who was a buddy of mine, and Paul Servino. These guys did it for a lot less money than they normally get, but the scripts were so unbelievable based on the true story. Anthony played Vito Rizzuto, a real crime boss, one of the biggest crime bosses in the world, let alone just Canada from Montreal. So he's playing a real guy. I played a fictional guy, even though between you and me, now that it's over, he was based on a real guy who's um, he's still incarcerated, so we couldn't. We couldn't really talk about him too much, but right. I, we had to change his name, his ethnicity, the whole thing. But I'm telling you, to be number one on the call sheet, and then after it was over, to have the actors and the actresses and and producers just come up and go, "Hey, man, way to go! You 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 really uh, you really did number one. You really did." And I I did. I cared about everybody, and I did the best I could in and making everything comfortable. But when it was time to work. We fucking work, man. There's no, yeah. there's no dipsy doodling. This do, is really do you do stuff. you stress? Do you get anxiety? Do you put pressure on yourself that's not that is unnecessary? Do you uh, fight through things? Do you de- how do you deal with all that stuff? Or are you just Mr. Tough great guy? Question. Coat, that's a great question. I I didn't know, but I'm I'm full of anxiety. I mean, I I I I have a shrink that I see once in a while, and he's amazing. He's in Pasadena, and he really he calls me. He called me early in our sessions. He would call me. King Kong. Like <laughs> Why? King Kong. No, because I fucking bursted in the room. I'd never been to a shrink before in my life. And I burst into his room. I said, do I pay you now? Do I pay you now? Where do I sit? Well, what do I, how, how are you today? Where am I? He just, he just kind of put his hand, had a small smile. I said, Kim, you sit wherever you want and we'll worry about the payment later. No, you want it now? And a check, a check, a check. Like, no, like, like a mafia then, guy. Yeah, you want yeah, this like, now? We're going to keep this a secret? Yeah, you want this now? We keep it straight? You and me? Is it going anywhere? Am I fucking being mic'd? No, no. So, you know, so he called me King Kong because he really, and part of my anxiety 
was coming from I'm I'm so recognizable now and the charities that I love doing or it's fucking on, man. It's on. And I like you do three or four cons a year. Maybe you do more. I mean, I get asked to do them a lot. I'll go to a few. My charities make us money. I make a little bit. It's a fun uh, to see fans for me is it's draining, but in a good, good way. Like I love my fans, uh, my people that like my work or whatever, but I was really, um, going off the deep end with, uh, stressing out about my career because it just kept going up and up and up. And it's what I've always wanted. And I like where I'm at, but I, I, uh, you know, I needed to calm down and breathe and, and slow down a bit. And I think I've learned to do that. What was it that you noticed about yourself that you didn't like that got you into therapy? What was it? Was it the little things? What were those things that you, or maybe your wife, maybe Diana, Diana, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, for she sure. Noticed. Di, Di would notice. Um, you know what it was, Michael? It was this kind of shit where I'd never, I'd never, I, I was always proud of just being me. Whether you know me from movies or from playing football with me when I was 17, I was pretty proud of being me. And I stopped kind of doing that for a while. I, I started knowing that if I was going to a house party, I thought they would expect me to talk about my movies or talk about Bruce Willis or talk about sons or sons. And so I put all this bullshit into my head so I would be just kind of moving too fast, moving too fast. And so I, I think I've learned to try and slow down. What do you do? And I've also... Sorry, Michael. What do what? you what do you do to slow down? Um, just let it happen. Let everything instead of trying to think about making everybody happy all the time. You know, my one of my sayings that I use, Michael, is I can't tell you how to succeed, but I can tell you how to fail by trying to please everyone. And you know, I've always looked at myself as being a really fortunate motherfucker. I've worked really hard for my career, but I've been really fortunate with my friends. Bill Fickner, who you worked with, love he said Bill. hi to you, by the way. He love fucking loves Bill. you. He was on the podcast, loved working with him. He just loves what you. A, and he here. loves you. You guys are best friends. He says he on the podcast was like, yeah, me and Coatsy pretty much talk every day. We're always on the phone. Yeah, we do. I mean, he says it the best. Like, is it, how weird is it to meet your best friend at 40? You know, <laughs> when we did Black Hawk Down, we were both like 40. And, you know, we met each other. And it was over because we are the same kind of guy. Anyway, he loves you. And I think I've, I've just really enjoyed uh, my, my life. And so I really look out for the underdog, I think. And I really sometimes try too hard to make people happy because I know they're happy to see me. But when I'm around guys like you or Fickner or guys that I just can be myself around without trying, it's the best time for Kim Coates. So that's what it is. It's trying to be yourself and not let, not trying to people yeah. please too much. Yeah. Trying to, trying to breathe and do your thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got this movie coming out or it's out now. It's out on digital and on demand. And I saw the trailer for this and it looked intense as shit. Yeah. And uh, neon, neon lights. lights. Yeah. Now you get to work or she gets, you get, yeah, you get to work with Brenna, Brenna yeah, coach, your daughter. daughter. And you know, a lot of times you hear, you know, somebody's working with their daughter, this, She's like a star. Like she's she went to Tish. She's done so much theater. She is she knows what the hell she's doing. Yeah, she's the real deal. This kid. She, um, you know, Di and I, my wife and I, we we didn't 
push our kids away or to anything when they were growing up. It was letting them discover what they liked and loved and reading. They're both so smart. Kyla, you know, she's trying to save America. God bless her. She works in LA County with Janice Hahn. She's a deputy supervisor. She's a big shot and she's with mental health and the sheriff's department, the firemen and homeless. I mean, she's, she's in it in LA County, 12 million people. She's got a big job and she loves it. And she really, really is caring about America in the right way, being such a liberal. It's uh, she's got a lot of work ahead of her and we're proud of her. Brenna who's as smart as Kyla. She was an actor from four five, six years old. I mean, she just knew it. She was shy. She's beautiful. She's funny. Anyway. So she auditions for Tish uh, from her high school in Pasadena. She gets in, uh, she's in New York and you know, Michael, it's like, come on, fuck off. It's like 65 grand a year. And that doesn't even buy you a Starbucks. Oh, God. And if her dad is not on Sons of Anarchy, she's not going to New York. She's going to Victoria or Saskatchewan or Seattle, somewhere. You know, I, I couldn't afford, you know, come on, right? right? But I happen to be lucky to be on a big TV show and I'm making money. So fine. She goes there four years. At the end of the fourth year, Michael, <clears throat> they do a, they do a, it's a one act, 90 minute play. Sarah Delap, brand new play called The Wolves. So all the seniors, it's about nine girls on a soccer team. A mom comes in at the end of the play. And they had one showing of what they were doing. This is the final project. Here she is, she's saying goodbye. I flew, I saw it, Diana couldn't go. I'm in the audience. I am so blown away at all the girls. We're all crying at the end. This is a juggernaut play, and they knew it. Cut to six months later, they're finally going to do The Wolves in Poughkeepsie. And from Poughkeepsie, it's going to go off Broadway. If it's any good, it'll go to Broadway. So Brenna has to re-audition, and she's going through all the stress. All the stress. Same part. She's perfect for it. And I go, I'm telling you right now, Brenna, and this is what you and I had to deal with, Michael. I, I still do. But they're going to look for a name. Her part was one of the three leads of the nine girls. They're going to look for a name. So don't, don't feel bad if you don't get it. I got a good feeling about it, but you did, you know, so she did one and she did a call back, all these producers are sitting there, whatever, whatever. Then we had to wait two weeks and she finally got the call that the part was hers. Cut to a summer at Poughkeepsie, couldn't get a ticket, goes to the Duke theater, couldn't get a ticket. All these movie stars are starting to see this play, the wolves, the wolves, the wolves. It gets called um, one of the greatest plays in New York in the past 25 years. New York years. Times. New York Times, yep. correct. And so Brenna gets called out on all these. Anyway, they end up winning an OB and a Drama Desk Award for the ensemble of all the actors on it. All nine girls win these incredible awards. She goes, you know, right to another play in, in San Diego, another play somewhere else. Then she comes and does a play with Dad. I did Jerusalem by Jez Butterworth. I almost died on stage every night. Mark Rylance is doing it again right now in London. I flew to see him. We had dinner. I saw it twice. Hugs all around. He gave me the baton four years ago when I was preparing to play this guy. I took a year to prepare. The accent went to London five times. The whole deal is a long story. God. But Brenna was in that play with Dad. Cut to this movie, Neon Lights. Michael, when this movie, and it was during the pandemic, nothing's happening, Early fall 2020, my agent in Canada, I've always told Gail, that's why I've never fired her. I love her to death. I fired more American, American agents over the years, but I'm with <laughs> a really good one now, Sherry Cohen. I love her to death. 
Uh, my management company is pretty cool too, mainstay. Anyway, I get this call from Gail. She goes, you're not going to do this movie. I go, what's it called? Neon Lights. Why? It's just really dark. It's, it's, I can't get through it. I said, well, send it to me. So they sent it to me. And sure enough, it's about mental health. Right. And it's about, it's about, it's a psychological thriller slash horror, small cast. It's in one man mansion. The house has a character on its own. I play a guy. I can't say too much about it because it's a very surprise when you watch the movie. Anyway, there was a perfect part for me and a perfect part for Brenna. And I had to read it twice to really understand what this guy, Dana Abraham, who wrote it and starred in it, was talking about. I said I would do it. They said, can we have Brenna to us? And you'd have to call her and see if she 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 read it. She plays a shrink. She'd never played a part like that before. She's really like an angel in this movie. Um, she says, yes. Yeah. So we're working together for the first time. Michael, we had our premiere about a month ago in Hamilton. Then another premiere in L.A. I wasn't able to make the L.A. one. I saw the one in, in Hamilton. Brenna went to both. She's a second build. She's above the title with me and Dana. Wow. Everyone's so good. This movie's so scary. It's it's just it's the reviews have been so unbelievable because it's about mental health. Yeah, and it's right up my alley too because it's got that psychological horror. Tech tycoon Clay Amani retreats to an off the grid location in search of meaning and peace with disconnected siblings and their offspring, only to be caught in a bone chilling killing spree within his new estate. It's just like in the, the the trailer, you're like, what the hell? It's just, it's like, this is what I, the kind of stuff I watch. So I'm, I'm excited for this. I can't wait to watch this. Well, and who you're talking about, Clay Armani is played by Dana Abraham. He's the lead of this movie. I happen to play his, uh, his stepfather and we're going to stop right there. I can't say much else <laughs> because it is, um, I was, Ruth Behadari who directed it, this beautiful Iranian Canadian, Canadian Iranian boy. He's so talented. He's just so, he was so great with the actors and all masks, all shields, all, you know, tested every day, all that stuff that we had to do and still do really because um, of this pandemic. But he was beautiful and I'm stunned at the music. I'm stunned at how, I mean, I was, a, I helped produce it. So I got to see all the, all the cuts and I would give notes and they listened to every single note that I had. I'm very, very objective. I'm not a subjective guy. It's all about the, the greater being of, of this movie and beats and what scenes are too long or what scenes don't work. And they did a great job. And like I said, it's um, it's it's killing it on video demand. It's everywhere now. Yeah. Yeah. Neon lights, digital uh, demand. Go see it. I mean, if you're, if you're me and you love horror movies, uh, this, yeah. and it's much more than that. And I just I can't tell exactly what your character is, but it's it's something I, I don't want to say dark, but. It, oh, no, you can say dark. It's pretty dark. <laughs> but can I just say one thing here about about who I played Denver Kane? <clears throat> when I read it, um, I had to change some things because it was way too much on this side of the railroad tracks. Right. For me, as you can imagine, Michael, with these cheekbones and these eyes, and, and I play a lot. <laughs> I play a lot of bad. I play a lot of bad boys, and I'm really careful with my bad boys. And this guy, I said, "Oh, I'm playing him, but it's got to be this because you need to bring some. Like, why? Why is he even in this movie?" If it's just that way, it's just too boring, too scary. One note, right, right. One note. And they went, oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's mesmerizing. He's methodical. He's kind. He's dark as fuck. And he, it's like a, like he's like a python. He just sucks you right in and then he's going to bite you. 
right in the neck. See, those are the best kind of villains. Those are the best oh. kind of dark characters. I mean, look, I played Lex Luthor, and if you if people loved him, they loved him in the beginning. If you get them to like you or love you or have those moments instead of being one note, it makes the character so much more. Can dynamic. we talk about that for a minute? You were so fucking ah, good on that show. Thanks, man. It was. Michael, it was. You were so good on that show. You're the best thing in that show. I mean, the show is good. It lasted for eighteen thousand years, but you were so good. I saw maybe five, ten shows, and um, you were having a blast. And I can't remember. You hurt your back, didn't you? Am I making this? Yeah, up? I've had a lot of surgeries and stuff through playing ice hockey my whole life, and just kind of like you know, like yeah, yourself. Yeah, you're a hockey and, player. Yeah, so you know, I've, I had some issues with the back over the years. It hasn't been fun, but like you know, I've been I've been doing a lot better. I've been doing Good. a lot better, so I've been just trying to take care of myself, and uh, you know, so glad now if I can get the anxiety under control, coach. Yeah, how you doing with that, bro? It's all right, you know. It's it's I, I just turned fifty. Do you remember turning fifty? Yes, did, I do. Did, was it weird for you, or just another number? It was the beginning of the best part of my life because it was literally two months before I started Sons of Anarchy. I, I, I just the truth. I had my 50th wow. birthday party and, and literally like two seconds later, I'm cast as Tig Traeger. And I said to my wife, I guess I better do this. And she was like on her knees going, please, please, please. I went, <laughs> sure. Can we just have a, a paycheck once a week that we know is coming oh, in? I love it. I love so, it. Sure. All right. This is, this is called shit talking with kim Coates. these are my patrons they give back to the show they're unbelievable go to patreon.com slash inside of you join patreon i'll send you a message thanks for supporting the show i love you these are from the top tiers they're asking this is rapid fire go. so you go chris r how did it feel playing a nut like tig on sons of anarchy mental mental i mean mental. I, I i just said to kurt sutter i, I turned it down I turned it down. He said, why? I said, he's too psychotic. You, you haven't shown me. Any. He goes, no, no. Tig's going to be psychotic for sure. But he's going to have a heart of gold. He's going to be funny. He's going to be a moral compass of the club. He's going to be psycho. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. He's going to be, and you can ride and you're going to love riding. And just please come along for the ride. And I did. And I'm so glad I did. But I've never played anyone like him before. Wow. Jeremy C., what would be your favorite role to take on if you could do anything? Or have you done it already? Oh, my God. That's a great question. No, I haven't done it already, but I've been lucky, right? To be a character actor. I get to really act. I get to change it up. I get to cut my hair, grow it, get fat, get skinny, have accents, have a limp. I mean, honest to God, wear Armani or wear nothing and show my stomach off. I mean, I, I'm just <laughs> so lucky to be a character actor. I get offered all kinds of shit and I'm loving it. I'm loving every single thing I get offered that I say yes to. By the way, do you work out a lot? I do. I have. Do you think that really helps with, with life in general to keep your body yeah. moving, to keep strong? Yeah, because I'm flying all the time. I'm in hotel rooms all the time. I'm on different pillows all the time. I'm filming all the time. And if you don't take time to bike or walk or a few weights here and there at my age, I'm in my 60s now, you, you're going you're gonna to break down. And so I really am trying not to break down and working out helps me. David H., who's someone you've worked with that you expected them to be one way and they turned out to be completely different in a good way, I hope? I, I was really uncertain about Kevin Costner. I, I got to tell you, he's, again, one of my best friends now. And he turned out to be the kindest, smart. Um, even though he didn't direct Waterworld, he kind of did. And then Open Range, he did direct. And Michael Gambone and I played the two lead bad guys in that. And I would spend night after night at Kevin's house uh, in the in the beautiful Rocky Mountains up in Canmore, Alberta, watching him edit, smoking pot with him every night, and watching him edit, 
and edit and have a glass of wine and then learn from him. Um, I was stunned at how warm Kevin is to everybody and how smart he is. If you fuck him, he'll, 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 he'll put you in a headlock and he won't let go. But he's, uh, he turned out to be like, what a, what a jewel, Kevin Costner, for sure. Wow. Legend. Joey Mack loved you as Declan in Bad Blood. Did you prep for the role by studying any iconic movies like The Godfather or Goodfellas? No, I didn't prep it with that, but I read a lot of books. And their uh, Bad Blood was called In Blood. In, in, in Blood or in, in Business, I think it was called Business in Blood, the book, the true book that we bought the rights to to do the six-part first-year miniseries that we turned into a two-year thing. So I did a lot of reading. Did a lot of reading about Montreal. Did a lot of reading about the early years of, of being a gangster in Montreal and, and, and the, all the bike gangs and <clears throat> all the people that were, you know, I read all the true stuff and then I, I incorporated that into my character for sure. Ray H., what do you enjoy about your work? I love what I do. I don't know how many people can say they love their job. Um, and I get paid well for it. I don't even know why. I, I've never worried about money, Michael, to be perfectly honest with you. It's just come to me, I guess, after all these years. And, but I was so wanting to be the best actor I could be in all that theater and not getting paid, but I didn't care. And now it's paid off because people, people befriend me, maybe because I'm Kim Coates, but boy, this year like hanging with me because I think I'm a really good actor and I love listening. Like when you and I work together, I, I'll never forget listening to you. Like listen, if you listen to people on set, then then you won't act and you're just yeah. gonna feel, it's just gonna come out of you. If you don't listen and you plan everything, well then that's called acting and the camera's gonna see it and you'll never be at the level you and I've got to. So um, wow. yeah, man, I just love my job, that's it. Sophie M, any fond memories from working on Skinwalkers? <laughs> sure. <laughs> Fuck skinwalkers. You know why? I'm going to tell you why. That movie could have been so good. Stan Winston. One loved of the great, him. great loved him. makeup artists. I mean, he's won a gazillion Oscars. No one was better at his job than him. And Stan, <clears throat> for himself, wanted to do one more movie about werewolves. And he was going to design the suit. It wasn't going to be CGI. He wanted the actors to grow into their suit. Right? Um, Jason Bear, Elias Gateas, me, the three leads. I mean, so that movie, when I read it, Michael, it was R. It was an R-rated film. And it was so good and so dark and so unbelievable, we all signed on. And I'll never forget getting to set up in Toronto. And all the leads were there and the directors there were all ready to go. And they were giving it, oh, they said, oh, there's some rewrites. And we got handed the script and we started to read it. And I'll never forget after about page 20, I left the table and I laid on the floor. I, I was so depressed at what they had done to turn this into a PG 13 light, light oh, arena boy. of a film. I was so depressed that all the money people that had put all this money in, they're going, no, this is the new script. And Kateas and I and Jason Bear. You couldn't run away. We were still going to do it. But I knew this fucking movie was going to fail. And it did. Now, I'm, I love that this person, gal, guy, I couldn't remember the name that you said, 
that they love this movie because we have Sophie. some fans. Yeah. Yeah. We have some fans with this film, but I'm telling you straight up, it could have been way, way better had they stuck to their guns and not being afraid to make it a restricted film because it was so much better. You know, I always I love talking to you. It's been forever, but you speak your mind. You have unbelievable stories. You're so down to earth. I miss you. I love seeing your face. This is and Neon Lights is out on demand and digital. Please check it out. If you love horror, if you love psychological stuff, you're in for a a, a fun little movie here. And yeah, uh, you better if you, if you drink, you better have a drink in front of you. <laughs> If you eat, you better have some popcorn in front of you because you're going to be nervous watching this film. It's a very nervy fucking film. Rosenbaum, you're amazing, bro. Uh, what you do is amazing. I think as an artist, stands on its own. Billy loved working with you and the neighbors so much. I'm jealous. Yeah. I knew that we got to do something together. We got to eventually we will. We'll do something together. No, I would love will. that. That would be a real treat, you know? Real treat, bro. Uh, you look great, is, too. Hey, back you. at you. I love you. Good luck with everything, man. Love Continue you, buddy. success. Love you, man. Big love. You got to live and learn. <laughs> Do you remember that song? No. That was from like the late 90s or early 2000s. You got to live and learn. It was a terrible song. Terrible song. Was it? Yeah. It sounds inspiring. Does it? Well, you, well, you've got to live not, You're not doing Linus, Linus Morrison, are you? No. What was that song? You live, you learn. I kind of like that song. That's a good song. That's a good song. She, she doesn't some, miss. She had some tunes. Yeah. Thanks, Kim Coates, for coming on the podcast. I loved having you on. You were a freaking treat. I love your stories. And, uh, yeah, great, great guest. Uh, what else can we say? Um, you know, everything was said in the beginning. Um, appreciate everybody's support. This podcast is, you know, we're not the biggest podcast in the world, but uh, we we could definitely use your help, and we appreciate your help. Go to patreon.com slash inside of you you want to join patreon become a patron of mine i'll message you back uh go to the inside of you online store for cool merch as i said in the beginning um later in the year i'll be going to like san fran uh columbus uh pittsburgh for some cons in late late november december and uh also i want to give a shout out to all my friends out there who have supported me in the last few weeks uh, i've been dealing with a lot of anxiety and uh my patrons and uh, everyone listening uh it's life man it's life, Ryan. We all go through it, but we do. Yeah, sometimes you just feel hopeless. Sometimes you just feel like, man, what the fuck? What am I doing? I, I honestly, I was on the wrong meds, and when you're on the wrong meds, your mind goes to weird places. Like, what am I doing here? Why? What? What is there? Why? <laughs> why? I had no like nothing. Part of that's being a human too. Yes, and you just have to know that this is your mind. It's not real. These thoughts aren't real. It's not a reality many a times. What are the facts? Yeah, what are the facts here? And uh, then you start to go, hey, you know, and, and people say this all the time, but saying your gratitudes before you go to bed, when you wake up, I took a hike and at the top of the hill, there's the beautiful view of, of Los Angeles. And I just sat there and I said, hey, God, thanks. Thanks for life. Thanks for this planet. Thanks for, and I just started doing it. And it just, it made me feel better. It's just being grateful, you know? Do you do that? Not enough. Not enough, but it does help. It's, it's, there's something with your mind, when your mind actually, when your brain hears that, when, mm -hmm. it keep, when you keep saying it, you're like rewiring your, mm -hmm. your mind. Yeah. You know, so it's good. So thanks for all the support, the love. Uh, let's give a shout out to all the top tier po uh, patrons. These are folks that are the top tier that give a lot to the podcast and really 
keep it afloat. Ryan knows many of them by memorization. I don't know. Just that back half is a little tough. Yeah. Should we, should we start working on the back half? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got the first several down. Yeah, you do. All right. Here we do. Do we want any particular voice today? Um, yours. My voice. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, Nancy D, Leah S, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Nico P, Robert B, Jason W, Sophie M, Kristen K, not to be confused with. Kristen Crook. Correct. Raj C, Joshua D, CJP, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jamal F, Janelle B, Kimberly E, Mike E, L, Dan Supremo. 99 more, Amira, Santiago M, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Maya P, Maddie S, Belinda N, Chris H, Dave H, Sheila G, Brad D, Ray H. So far, you know these. Mm -hmm. Tap of the T, Tom N, Liliana A, Talia M, Betsy D, Chad L, Marion Meg K, Big Stevie W, Angel M, Angel. I lived in a place, and there was near there was a place called Angel Mounds. So remember Angel M, Angel Mounds, <laughs> Rhiannon. Angel Mounds sounds like a euphemism for a child's poop. That's all I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rhiannon C, Corey K, Dev Nexon. Michelle A, Jeremy C, Andy T, Gavinator, David C, John Biatch, John B, Brandy D, Yavor, Camille S, The Chief. The Chief? The Chief. Just Joey one. M. Just one Chief. Just the one. Joey M, Design OTG, Eugene and Leah, Nikki G, Corey, Katie B, Patricia, Heather L, think Heather Locklear. Mm -hmm. Jake B, think Jake Busey. That will help you. Megan T. I don't know what you could do there. Megan T. Megan T. Well, what are you doing in the kitchen? Megan T. Mel S. Mel S. MLS. Oh, boy. Major League Soccer. MLS. Oh, there Mel you go. S. Yeah. Mel S. Uh -huh. Orlando C. Orlando Clum. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of MLS, the Orlando soccer team is Orlando City. So that's Orlando C. Okay, so you can remember C. Uh huh. Caroline R. Uh huh. Caroline R. Oh, that's a tough one. Where are you going? I'm going down to Carolina. I'm going to Carolina. <laughs> there you go. Christine S. Sure. Christine S. Awesome. <laughs> Christine S. Awesome. Memorize that. Well, that's Sarah Smile. S. Sarah, Sarah S. Smile. Mm -hmm. Eric H. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a tough one. <laughs> Jennifer R. Uh-huh. Jennifer Rarner. Shaney, Shane R. Emma R. Emma Roberts. Oh, there you go. There you go. Roberts. Jeremy V. Jeremy's Vogan. Jeremy's vegan. <laughs> Jeremy's vegan. Andrew, <laughs> Andrew M. Andrew M. Robert G. Robert G. Zatuichi, Zatuichi, 77. Sure. Uh, Andreas, Andreas, N. Fault. Andreas, Fault. Oh, N. Oh, N. Hmm. Mm. Oracle, Chris R. Chris Rock. Mm -hmm. Michael F. Michael Fassbender. Ah. Karina N. Uh -huh. I don't know. Karina N. It's a nice name. Karina, Karina N. Hi, Karina. I've talked to Karina. We zoomed. Big group of us zoomed. It was fun. <laughs> I liked it. Karinan. Karinan. Samantha W. 
Michelle D. Amanda R. I know. Oh, I know a Michelle D. In real life. Okay, there yeah. you go. Yeah, Amanda R. Amanda R. Amanda R. Your. Amanda R. Amanda. Lovecraft E. <laughs> Amanda S. Huh. And Jen B. Jen B. Oh boy. Jen B. It's going to be tough for we'll you. We'll see how it's that going to be tough. Those are the top tier patrons. Those are the folks that really help the podcast. But you know, you can give anything back to the podcast, and it helps. It really, truly does. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening every week. Thank you. Even if you don't know a guest and you listen, it helps the podcast. Write a review, subscribe, all that stuff. Say hello to Ryan on online. Say hello to me. Um, I appreciate you all. I love you dearly. And thank you for listening to this podcast. Um, from Michael Rosenbaum here in the Hollywood Hills of California. I'm Ryan Taze as well. A little wave to the camera, a little peace sign. Uh, guys, be good to yourselves. Be good to yourselves. And uh, we'll see you in a week. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.